0: Alrighty folks! Welcome to a world of fantasy with seven magical lands of timeless fun. The
1: Magic Kingdom. Where happily ever afters happen every day. Wait a minute. I love that idea. How about some backstage passes?
2: Karibuni! I am Walter Wilson Mutua, and I am happy to welcome you to Harambe Wildlife Reserve.
0: Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we'd love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort and we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors.
2: Reflections.
0: Hey y'all, welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World memories and their connections to the parks that we know and love today. I'm Dewey, coming to you from my home in Magnolia, (laughs) Delaware, and this is episode number 34 of the WDW Reflections podcast. Thanks for being here with us, guys. Stick around to the end of the show for more information on how you can contact us and maybe become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future episodes. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony. Ron's coming to us from his home. In Cleveland, Tennessee, how's it going, Ron? It's going well.
2: Join the well. I enjoy weather, the hot weather, but
0: it's a little hot. But I'm enjoying <laughs> it. Uh, I'll take heat over cold any day, even if it is excessive heat. It's still better than temperatures in the. And if it's below seventy, I'm unhappy. So I will take the heat all day long. And how about you, my good buddy? Tony G coming from the Big Apple. How you doing up there, Tony?
1: Funny enough, I'm trying to stay cool, but as there's a line that Matthew Broderick says in Biloxi Blues, which is appropriate for today's show, actually, it's not only hot, it's Africa hot. So it's really hot out there.
0: <laughs> well, I've never been to Africa. I have been to the Middle East, and uh, uh, I was deployed was to my- Iraq once uh, many years ago. But the hottest temperature I saw while I was over there uh, was 127 degrees. Yikes. And uh I, you know, wearing full battle rattle, which yeah. means, you know, the uniform and all the the helmet and the Kevlar and all that stuff. So um I never complain about the heat here because I've never been as hot as I was when I was in the Middle East. So I I always try to take that. Uh, that perspective. I've never been that hot. So that's hot to me. Um, But I've never been to Africa. I don't know what Africa hot is. So I can't uh, make it sounds pretty scorchy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it sounds pretty warm. Oh, man. All right. So fellas, glad you guys are here with us. Glad you guys are doing well, even though you're a little, little hot. That's okay. Um, So this week, I am uh handing over the reins to the to the show for this week's episode because Tony's got this surprise. Ron and I don't even know what we're mm-hmm. going to be talking about today.
1: You know, I so, totally forgot that we didn't talk about that yet. Oh, yeah, we don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh Tony, hey. you've got uh, the you've got control of the show today. So Ron and I are sitting here just uh, excited Come to line, find out what's excited. That.
1: Cool. Yeah, well, we're, le-
0: yeah, we're flying blind for sure.
1: Well, make sure you guys uh, stop me and I, I am uh, I'm just letting the full disclosure to the to the audience. I am looking at some notes here and it's very early in the morning. So if I stumble on something, forgive me. But you guys also, if you want to pop in and let me know what you are um, thinking about what I'm saying, let me know.
0: All right. So I think it's time for the big reveal, Ron. You and I are about to find out what this episode is going to be. So um tony i'm assuming you're ready you you're the you're the guy this week you're the writer so, i hope i'm ready <laughs> ron all right so i think it's time for the big reveal ron you and i are about to find out what this episode's going to be so um tony i'm assuming you're ready you you're the you're the guy this week you're the writer so, I hope I'm ready. <laughs> Ron, are you ready to uh, to reflect on whatever Tony's got for us today? I am. It's, I'm a little bit excited
2: to see what we're going to talk about today.
1: Well, Me I hope too. you guys have even seen this run. It's possible that you haven't because we're going to talk uh today about a lost attraction that some of you might not even have heard of before since it's only ran for about eight years in the late 90s and early 2000s at the magic kingdom and it was a little stage show that could be seen over in the fantasy theater over at magic kingdom and it featured colorful multimedia sets advanced puppetry and a live costume character whose mouth moved as they spoke And then the show itself was based on what became one of Disney's most successful animated movies of all time, which it claimed the title of being the most successful anything of all time for many years until maybe Frozen in in the late 2000s. And so I'm talking, of course, about Disney's The Lion King. And there've been so many iterations of the movie story and characters throughout the Disney theme parks over the years. But today I'm just gonna focus on one lost attraction that i uh have fond memories of and that is the aptly named the legend of the lion king do
2: you guys remember that one i do not i didn't get to see that now they and i'm guessing that because there's such a lion king um presence in mickey's philomagic that maybe yeah. that's what made
1: it go away Funny enough, that's tied into, into all of this because it, oh. it's at the same theater where, where Mickey's Phil Magic took uh, place. There you go, took place.
2: okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to... Oh, no, that's fine. Johnny Thunder.
1: And Dewey, do you remember that attraction at all?
0: I I did see this um, several times, and this was probably, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just gonna throw out dates here, but it's probably mid-90s, maybe 94, yes. 95. Yes,
2: yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah so, yeah, so I was never there at that point. It ran till about 2002, so right before uh Yeah, so our first trip, Mickey's Phil of Magic had just opened.
1: Oh, okay. All right, yeah. so it had just been replaced. Um, but uh, before we dive into that show, let's, it's impossible to talk about it without talk, looking at the phenomenon that was and still continues to be this Disney's The Lion King. Uh, The the Lion King started life in 1991 as a pitch for an animated movie called The King of the Jungle. It was conceived by Jeffrey Katzenberg, Roy Disney, and Peter Schneider, who was head of animation at the time, along with uh, Charles Fink. And the idea was to have a story set in Africa with elements of age and death and life experiences uh, kind of presented through the eyes of the animal kingdom. And this was to be the first Disney animated feature that was going to be based upon original source material. Uh, previous to this, it's, it was always based on a book or some kind of story. And this time they just came up with it on their own, based on obviously things that uh, that inspired them. Katzenberg invited Tim Rice, who was a fam- famous Broadway and West End songwriter. He wrote Evita and Jesus Christ Superstar and those kind of shows. And uh, he also wrote some of the material for Aladdin with Alan Menken and um, he was supposed to write the songs but Menken wasn't available for the Lion King and they asked Tim who he would want to write the music with and he said well what about Elton John thinking that they'd never get him and of course we know that the result was that they did and it, it resulted in some of the best songs that in the Disney catalog film composer Hans Zimmer was later brought in to add extra weight to the creation of the underscore of the film. So after three years and 1000s of rewrites, including 18 different versions of Can You Feel the Love Tonight alone, the score was completed and it was so successful that three of those five songs featured in the movie were nominated for Academy Awards the following year, including Can You Feel the Love Tonight Circle of Life and Hakuna Matata and do you, either of you guys have any idea which one won?
0: Um, I don't know, but I'm just you know. going to guess. And I'm I'm just throw a guess and probably go with the ballad. It's probably uh, "Can You Feel the Love Tonight." Yeah,
2: that's what I would go with as well.
1: It is. That was the 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 one that, th- that won the award, and the and the film also won four Grammy awards and so many international awards and acclaim, and and um, it's just amazing how that little idea took off and throughout the years of, of their developing the story it went from being set in a jungle to being set on an African savanna, and it invoked the biblical tales of Moses Joseph and mostly Shakespeare's Hamlet um, I, really early on in 1993 I actually got to see the, one of the earliest appearances of the Lion King at a Disney park sort of Uh, It was over at the Disney MGM studios back in the animation courtyard. And I'd taken a backstage tour of the facilities and the film was still in development and Pocahontas and Hercules were kind of being drawn up. When they took us on the tour, they showed us some of those production paintings that they were doing. That's cool. Yeah, it was really, really awesome. And one of the and we saw this this one cell of of uh, Sim what turned out to be Simba on Pride Rock, and one of the cast members told me that it was going to be for a film called King of the Jungle, and that it was Disney's version of Hamlet, and that it featured an entire story set in the jungle with no human interaction at all. And I was excited to find out that uh, Tim Rice and Elton were doing the uh, the music because I was a big fan of both of those guys. Um, Audiences what year did the movie actually come out to? Actually, I was just about to say that. Uh, audiences got their first glimpse of the film when an extended sneak peek preview of the complete opening scene of the film was presented during the theatrical showings of The Three Musketeers and Sister Act 2 in 1993. Wow. And I remember seeing that and being surprised and just fascinated at how beautiful the animation looked and, and how the yeah. song gelled. And, you know, actually, right before starting the show today, I put on the beginning of the movie and I was actually almost moved to tears. It's such a beautiful opening uh, that still holds up after all these years.
2: Uh, What's film, interesting is, I'm sorry, I don't mean to no, cut you off, no but it's really interesting to me that Lion King, in some ways... Holds well, and to your point, is is still the most celebrated Disney movie, probably in a long right and of the new era. And it and it, and it is drawn. It's not Pixar. That's
1: true. Yeah, it was that
2: actually. So anyway, I just it's interesting because you don't see they've not come out with a hand drawn animation for a long time we Pixar'd everything which don't get me wrong i really like pixar but i kind of miss that old school taking it down a different road sorry no that's no you didn't that that's it makes a
1: lot of sense and uh, interestingly enough that film went on to gross nearly a billion dollars worldwide during the initial run and it, it held the record for the for the highest grossing animated film of all time until 2003 when it was supplanted by a different disney film do you guys have any idea what movie that was it's not one that you necessarily think would have uh, would have done it
0: home on the range
1: Oh yeah, right. You know, I've never even seen <laughs> that, and I like how does it. I
2: would get uh, man. Uh,
1: is it? A it actually has card? another. It has an. It ha, it's also another thing that they like to milk for attractions.
2: Oh, then it has to be
1: um, frozen. Frozen is probably what they what eventually replaced it. But initially, it was oh, sus- initially. Uh, it was superseded by Finding Nemo.
2: Oh, that makes sense.
1: Um, the Lion King has achieved incredible acclaim, not only for the animation style, for the music, and and of course, it went on to be an amazingly successful Broadway show, uh, which to this day, nearly 25 years since it opened, it's still one of the top box office hits. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> either of you guys ever ever get to see it?
0: No, no, I have not seen uh, Lion King on Broadway. I've you seen know, Aladdin. I didn't see Lion King.
2: I've seen Aladdin, I've seen Beauty and the Beast, and we were going to go see Lion King but some people had told me that it had really aged from, and that they had not really maintained some of the costumes and stuff, and so we opted not to go. But. Well, you're going to laugh, even though this is the subject matter uh, of the show.
1: I'm not really a huge fan of the stage show, although I I do admire the craft behind it. Um, I remember being there. I I went to one of the early previews and I was just thinking, I could just watch the movie for this. But (laughs) consequently, because uh, again, I'm a big fan of the writer and um, my wife and I um, uh, used to go to Broadway theater a lot. I actually have seen it about five times, but the best time that I ever saw it was uh, during the 20th anniversary. They mm. made, there was a special presentation going on. The The entire creative team came on at the end of the show from the movie, including Hans Zimmer and and Jul- uh, Tim Rice and some of the directors. But then uh, Tom Schumacher, who was the head of Disney, said, okay, and we've got a special surprise for the audience. And the curtain went up and there was Elton John at the piano the live Elton John and he performed wow yeah I have a picture of it I, I might share with you guys Can you, uh, he performed uh, Circle of Life in front of us which was awesome and we had great seats so it was like seeing an Elton John concert for a second there. That's incredible. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was a a nice, nice memory to have. So that was probably my my favorite performance for that. But anyway, the animated film was even recently remade as a totally unnecessary, but beautifully visualized uh, CGI live action film by Jon Favreau, who is famous for Iron Man and the Mandalorian. And it went on to break up additional box office records and it grossed, surprisingly to me, it grossed an additional $1.2 billion. And it took the, the crown back from Frozen. All right, so taking this back to the parks, Disney first started trickling the appearance of the characters and the songs from the film with a parade that premiered on the West Coast in Disneyland called The Lion King Celebration. Even though it was a West Coast show, I mention it here because elements of the show eventually made their way over to Walt Disney World. This parade, I don't know if, you've ever, if you guys have ever seen uh, any clips from it, and you'll probably enjoy it if you ever see it on online it premiered a couple of weeks before the original movie did in June of 1994 and it presented colorful african inspired colors and designs with dancers performing traditional african dances and they were adorned in leopard and zebra and costumes like that but the the, the parade also featured the premiere of audio animatronic floats and that are just amazing to look at because the characters blink they roar they move along with music and it turns out that the Imagineers had employed their first use of something called puppetronics and that's what they used to create these gigantic puppets on the floats that featured everything from rhinos, elephants and even giant giraffes that would bob their head and back and forth to the endless repeat of Disney, what appears to be Disney's favorite song to reuse from the movie and that is I Just Can't Wait to be King which played ad nauseam during this um this parade um puppetronics as i said made the characters appear lifelike um when the run of this parade ended in 1997 a few of the floats from it were float were moved over to the animal kingdom for the show which exists there now and it's better known as the festival of the lion king but that's a whole nother story as the success of The Lion King continued, Disney, of course, finds many ways of incorporating their characters into the park, from naming parking spots in the garage to incorporating the characters into their suites at the animation resort. I, I think once Simba was born, he truly became one of the kings of the kingdom there, in addition to Mickey. and In fact, on the, on the opening day of Disney's Animal Kingdom, there was a televised performance of the Circle of Life presented during the park's dedication. And I think the, that phenomenal success of the movie helped to spur on the creation of Disney's largest theme park expansion at the time. Even though it had been in development for a while, I think the interest in, in um, animals and in um, those African themes brought the Animal Kingdom Park to fruition. And it's one of my favorite places to stay and eat, as well as the Disney Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, The movie also made its way into uh, an attraction at Epcot with a short movie presentation called The Circle of Life, which featured the original cast members in a new animated tale in which Simba relates how humans and animals are similar creatures that should take care of the Earth. But heading back to this subject matter, on July 8th of 1994, a couple of weeks after the premiere of the movie, Disney presented an all new stage show at the Magic Kingdom sponsored by kodak it replaced a show called magic journeys at the fantasyland theater and it was a multimedia performance utilizing puppetry costumes sets surround sound and a movie screen to retell the movie live on stage Unlike Festival of the Lion King at Animal Kingdom, which we see now, which is purely based on circus acrobatics and audience participation and and kind of more of a sing-along, The Legend of the Lion King was actually a sweet little puppet show which brought the characters of the movie to life to tell the entire story within 25 minutes. Uh, As the audience entered the stage area, they were immediately met by a costumed Rafiki, who was voiced by Robert Guillaume, who did the voice in the movie. And Rafiki's mouth, interestingly enough for a costume character at the time, actually moves up and down in sync with the dialogue, and he relates the story of Simba, a new Lion King born into the kingdom. This of course leads to the circle of life scene in the movie, which is actually projected on a screen behind him as he uh, sets the stage for what's to come. After the clip, the stage clears out to present the Savannah and puppets of Mufasa and Simba in what appears to be alternate takes from the film's dialogue, which uh, tells the story and we learn everything that the light touches as part of the kingdom, that whole scene there. The Mufasa uh, puppet was pretty majestic. It was life-size, and even though it looks like the cartoon character, it moved very realistically. The scene then changed to present Disney's favorite song from the film again. Uh, and that is uh, I Just Can't Wait to Be King with puppets of Nala and Simba dancing around in a multimedia mix of movie and sound and action with the giant giraffes in the background. Rafiki reappears again and leads us to the next scene with Scar and the hyenas, and they sing Be Prepared, and the dark and scary number comes complete with live, a uh, billowing steam that comes out from the from the, uh bottom of the stage onto a huge elephant tusk and if you look carefully you'll see that the scar the scar puppet is stomping his paws in time with the music as the hyenas dance around like deranged muppets so it was really pretty effective that scene then transitions to one of the darker moments of the movie which i'm surprised that they actually went with showing and it was portrayed vividly through the use of the movie screen and puppets and lightning And that's uh, when Scar tricks Simba into starting the stampede, and it ultimately claims the life of Mufasa. This scene features um, the puppets with Mufasa's lifeless body lying there, and the puppets coming up to look at it, which, you know, we're talking about a theme park show in the middle of the Magic Kingdom, and here there's the main character lying dead on, on stage, which is kind of interesting. And I don't know if you guys remember, during the, when that movie first came out, there were people who wanted to boycott the movie and, and were upset with Disney for including such a, a dark scene in the film.
2: Huh, I don't remember that, but that's interesting.
1: Rafiki then reappears to lead us to the next scene, which picks things up a bit with Hukunu Matata and the puppets present uh, Simba's transition into adulthood. Um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight is set in a clearing in the forest. I mean, the sets in this thing are pretty amazing for a little puppet show. Um, And the the two lion puppets are seen cuddling as the romantic song plays and the lightning changes. Rafiki teaches Simba the meaning of who he is. And we witness a celestial appearance of Simba telling him um, to remember who you are. This leads to a battle of the lions, which is cut between uh, scenes that look like alternate cuts from the movie that are also projected behind them. And as Simba emerges victoriously, Rafiki leads the scene into the finale, which takes place at a a live presentation of Pride Rock when he holds up the new lion cub to uh, to the Savannah. I really enjoyed this attraction back in the day, and I, I thought it was really was a brilliant use of the live action, motion picture, mixed media approach of storytelling. I think it, it helps also that I love the movie and the songs and and the ultimate messages. And believe it or not, I actually prefer my memories of this version to the one that was eventually staged on Broadway in 1997. I mean, those puppets were just amazing to look at, and they're a lot of fun. I happen to to um, prefer that approach then to having the live actors do it. The show itself closed in February of 2002, so it ran almost eight years in that spot, and it was eventually replaced by Mickey's PhilharMagic, another great show that features another one of my favorite characters, Donald Duck, as he inadvertently makes his way into scenes from favorite Disney movies, including one in which he is led out of Ariel's grotto into the sunset of the African Savannah, and he finds himself embroiled in the comical, colorful presentation of, again, Disney's favorite song, just can't wait to be king. Uh, sorry, just can't wait to be king. <laughs> and reclaiming his spot as the king of the jungle for a brief moment in this attraction, a three D animated version of Simba closes the bit by looking into the audience in a very big smiley face and giving a huge roar, which he wasn't really able to do in the movie, if you kind of remember. The legend of the Lion King continues in various iterations in parks all around the world. Its popularity is seen. have never faltered as the characters are still used in even in modern attractions there's that recent kite thing that opened last year which features the characters and the story yet again Um, the festival of the lion king was so popular that even though it closed during the pandemic it came back in an altered form last year and then just recently apparently uh it's back to more of its original form with the puppetry and the performers the circus performers are back so it's a very huge and popular show at the animal kingdom um that might be a great celebration of the film but in my particular reflections i won't forget the legend as presented at the fantasyland theater at the magic kingdom in the late 1990s hakuna matata
0: Yeah. So Ron, you, you said you never got to see this. I didn't.
2: Um, our first trip as a family, my first trip obviously was back in 1976. We've talked about that. Yeah. But then we didn't return to Disney until 2003.
0: Okay. So I graduated high school in 92. So, um, I, uh, my my first trip was in 85 and then we went you know subsequent trips after that so i remember we went um my my i chose to go to disney world of course for my graduation trip um and so we went in 92 and then we we went again i rem- i know for a fact we went in 94 because i remember we were there before tower of terror opened and we were on um was that? Sunset Strip, I think, is the road or whatever the, that that's Sunset on. Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard. And so I remember uh, being there and just freaking out because we couldn't go on Tower of Terror because it hadn't opened yet. It was opening later that year. So I know I went in 94. Uh, so I, and I, you know, went a few times uh, in the 90s after that. I know I was there in 96 because that was the uh, birthday cake castle and everything. So uh, I've definitely seen um, Legend of the Lion King, pro- gosh, probably five or ten times uh, during its run. Uh, and it was it was awesome. It was, um, and this may be a little bit controversial, I don't know. I don't know, maybe this is controversial, maybe it's not. But it's actually, I like Legend of the Lion King better than... Festival of the Lion King, yeah, me uh, too. the show that's that's there now. So yeah. maybe that's not controversial because you and I agree. Um, but it was... Uh, the puppets were super cool. I, if you think about... Uh, it's not unlike um, the Little Mermaid show yeah, it's that's very over similar. at... Um, what you call it? Over Hollywood at the studios, studios. Yeah. in the animation courtyard. And it's not unlike uh the the nemo yeah musical nemo show over at animal kingdom that still runs today um kind of in that same vein it had humans moving the the puppets but instead of like where nemo is you could see the see the puppeteers they're they're there on stage and they're moving the fish with legend of the lion king it was almost like they were they're not almost like the 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 puppeteers were in a pit
1: it was like muppets
0: yes yeah absolutely you did say that it was like muppets they were in a pit and they were below i guess what would be the the stage level and there was you know uh, strategically placed set pieces that looked like savanna grass and rocks and stuff yeah. like that so they would reach above themselves with the puppets and the puppets would show above the stage and the people were down below um almost Which, uh, what's funny
2: to me is you're you're explaining the traditional puppet because traditional puppets are no longer the tradition yeah i, know. I know yeah <laughs> i mean
0: unless you had sock puppets when you were a kid or something you probably yeah know and i mean i guess
2: the, the actual Real first puppets were the Mariettes, right? The mm-hmm. strings would come down from the top, but um that's that just caught me interesting that we're explaining how puppets work. And I actually so, preferred it that way because I
1: know that was one of the things that I did not like about the Lion King Broadway show. As soon as the guy came out with the, uh, it's hard to explain, but if you ever see the opening, when the guy came out with the Zazu puppet, I'm like, okay, uh, I I don't like I don't want to see the performer. I'd rather see the the animal.
0: Yeah. Or it was puppet. really well done. And um not that I dislike um Festival of Lion King. Yeah. Um the uh you know I, I like the monkeys that bounce on the trampolines and stuff, you know. I mean it it's a good show. But it was, I don't know, it just was it was just really cool. The puppets the puppets were really well done. I mean, they looked like the characters from the cartoon, you know, they were just 3D um was really well done you know obviously the music is great and you well, talked about you,
2: that you guys are making me want to see this and obviously that's not well
0: real. i'm sure you can find it on youtube you can find sure. it yeah
1: i watched oh, it wow. before doing this uh presentation
0: the um the full size rafiki you talked about how the yeah. mouth was animated and everything that thing was super cool it was um you know it was obviously a costumed character um I was trying to figure
1: out how they moved his mouth, though, because I know sometimes you've said uh, not to ruin the magic with anybody here, but, you know, some of that control is in the fingers, but you can actually see the performer's fingers. So I don't know how their mouth was able to move.
0: Well, if you think about it, it was a precursor to the the Mickey and Minnie that we have now that their eyes blink and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. It was just an early version of that. It was probably done off stage or it was just automatic it just you know but
2: I talked here's here I just let me it is a I I can give a little bit of a uh, uh spoiler spoiler so spoiler alert if you don't want to hear this don't listen but the way that Mickey and Minnie move their mouth and eyes they' the even though you can see their hands too, it's it's just a finger control, and so you're not looking. You just don't notice it because you you aren't paying attention to their fingers, and so um, they blink their eyes and move their mouth with the fingers that they're attached to cables that. And I know that from talking to a, to a guy that was best friends with Goofy. Okay.
0: I would have thought it would have been like a a headpiece or something, something they wear on, on you know, inside. Yeah, that attached to your jaw or something. Mm -hmm. But I guess not.
1: But what's kind of fun is when they created this thing called Papatronics. You can see if you ever watch the the parade itself. This it's called the Celebration of the Lion King from 1994. Um, They've got it on. Someone's got it on YouTube. You you notice that those floats were eventually used in the festival of the lion king and it is some of those same puppets in the same way that they move absolutely and oh, also they even have uh some of the themes they went over they have some of the monkey there aren't really monkeys in the lion king movie but you see the the, the guys in the yellow monkey outfit doing swinging from the float so they eventually incorporated that into the festival of the lion king as well
0: oh absolutely the the one of simba like grown-up simba on the rock yeah. and stuff. That is directly from that parade. The 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 float that's in the parade with Pumbaa on it and everything, directly from that parade. I definitely remember that parade too.
2: What's um, the
1: name of that? Do you remember the name the that kite attraction that I mentioned? I couldn't remember the name. Kite tails. Oh, kite tails. Okay. Have you looked at any of those videos?
0: Uh, I've <laughs> I have watched many. Mostly, what I've seen is like kite tail fails. Yeah, so it's all the all the crash landings and stuff i've seen those Um it looks just dist-
1: ron have you seen this no i'm not it's pretty disturbing especially when the giant float of just kind of dies on the corner <laughs> it's part of the show they just like take it around and then they dump it
0: yeah i guess there's no ceremonious way or no yeah. uh what's the word i'm looking for there's no um the, the the way you land a kite is it just it just hits wow. the ground. You know, that's just how you land a kite. So uh, there's there's really no other way to do it. So it is funny when you see, you know, here comes, uh, you know, like blue I think Baloo is one of the characters and he's just like, <laughs> like a crash landing, <laughs> you know. So you do see uh, like Simba. There's a big Simba uh, kite and it just headfirst crash landing. Bam. And, you know, that's that's how you land a kite. So it is; it's pretty comical. <laughs>
1: and it's amazing how much the this movie uh, really infused itself into the park. I mean, Animal Kingdom is almost—it uh, really does feel like it was built entirely, even though it was it was planned way before. It feels like it was built entirely on the success of The Lion King.
0: Well, it um, was pretty close to timing. If you think Very Lion close. King, the movie came out in '94, right, and the park animal kingdom opened in 98 yeah so it was definitely um it had to be in the forefront of their minds when they were building and i mean even the the where the at animal kingdom where the lions are in that area i mean it's it's pride rock you know that, yeah uh, the 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 lion the
1: symbolism whatever the that place. is
0: the en- enclosure or the lion display or whatever um, I mean, it's it's Pride Rock. It's what it is. So it's definitely modeled after that. So they were 100% guaranteed. They were like, hey, let's do some Animal Kingdom Lion King stuff here. You know, I mean, that had to be their plan. Uh, definitely incorporated in anywhere you... I mean, yeah. even the, um, like, all the safety brochures and all that stuff, yeah. everything that um, is around uh, animal kingdom has timon and pumbaa on it
1: true right so, do you do you think that the everlasting do you guys think that the everlasting appeal of this movie will will surpass some of the others because i notice they tend to latch on whatever movie is the big hit of that decade and and go with it for instance um this period was was the lion king then they went with frozen for the longest time and now it seems every every ride that's coming out is moana something or another So. Do you think that that the Lanking people will uh, characters and ideas will outlast those other two?
0: I think it's generational. Uh if mm-hmm. you think about uh so for our generation, you know, I wasn't really a big Cinderella or Snow White fan, you know, those were from the 30s and 40s or yeah. whatever. Um, you know, so my generation. Is probably uh, is Lion King and Aladdin, Little Mermaid, right? Yeah. So, but my kids, you can't hardly get them to watch uh, the hand drawn animation stuff. Really? They wow, are interesting. Toy Story and Nemo and and Frozen, and all that. So, my son is Toy Story and and Nemo when he was little. My daughter is more uh, Rapunzel, uh, Tangled, I guess actually. Tangled and Frozen, you know, because she's she's 15 now. So she would have been, you know, like five when those were coming out. So um, it's I think it's generational. So uh, my kids no, they've seen Aladdin, they've seen Lion King and stuff, but those aren't their favorites. Just like I've seen Cinderella, but that's not my favorite. My favorite is the stuff from my childhood. So. That's my guess, I think it's generational. I think it's probably the people that when you're whatever was out and popular and you know the when you're a kid is what you're going to identify with you know when well, and I think
2: that's why some we're we're kind of grumpy old men with wanting <laughs> to see some of the stuff at the park stay the way it is, and they have to they're changing to keep the the current people or the current generation more engaged in and but i i think that lion king is one of those it may be the one it may be the the cinderella of our day right and so lion king i think will always be part of the part of something happening at the parks
1: run has your granddaughter shown any interest in anything disney yet i know she's still in an infant but
2: um you know no she i don't know you probably don't even know about this show um it's coco coco something and um i think she watches disney but oh she'll definitely be enlightened that disney is the no (laughs) but anyway
1: i'm curious to know what what, what they're gonna like when they when they grow up what what yeah i think?
2: think um I know my character.
1: nieces are into Moana and, and Frozen.
2: Oh, okay. How old are your nieces?
1: They're, uh, one is an infant, same age as as, uh, as your granddaughter, and the other is uh, about five or six.
2: Got it. Yeah. We're excited. We were looking at a trip in September, actually, but I don't think that's going to come to fruition. Well,
0: that's right around the corner.
2: I don't know. Exactly. So- it wasn't going to be... It was not a, a Disney exclusive trip. It was because something else was happening. We thought we may try to get a day in or a day or two in, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not.
1: Uh, you, you guys just reminded me that um, I, um, there is the Lion King is so prevalent that sometimes you don't even realize that you're that you're um, that you're involved in it. I've not, when I got this shirt, I got this at uh, Target a few years ago. I suddenly started seeing appearing, it appearing everywhere. I thought it was just, you know, I just got it for the Lion King, and it's become like the dad shirt for Disney parks. There was someone actually did a video and showed how many dads in the park all had this exact same shirt. I mean, they must that's have sold funny. thousands of them. Yeah, it's just, it's the There's
2: style.
0: that's Disney marketing for you. Yeah. Right? Well, you think about it's probably dad's like it because of the whole, uh, you know, father son relationship and Mufasa and and interestingly
1: enough, my dad, you know, even though he was very older, he loved this movie. In fact, he once found a a happy meal of, uh, of scar and he put it in his car because he loved the movie that much that he, he, he wanted, um, he wanted to have a representation of it with him. Well,
0: Let's talk about just real quick for a second, talk about the 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 examples of Lion King in the park. So mm-hmm. there's there are, or at least have been attractions in all four of the parks in Disney World uh, based on Lion King. So at you know Magic Kingdom, you just talked about Legend of the Lion King. And of course, it's represented in its its replacement, which is filler magic. Um, do you guys remember the Lion King attraction at Ebcot? You guys know where that was?
1: The you mean the circle of life?
0: Yeah, the circle of life. It was that uh, that uh, environmental movie that was uh, Timon and Pumbaa talk building that remember they were going to build that resort uh that uh big resort on the river and they they dammed the river and everything it was about you know environmental issues and stuff so that was over at epcot in the land pavilion and um hollywood studios What is uh, is there some lion king over there
1: I'm trying to think of where that would be there
0: there might not be which is ironic it- because it's the movie park there might not be one at Hollywood studios. Oh, that's strange. And then of course, Oh, well, uh, like
1: I mentioned before in the animation courtyard, there were yes, stills. Yeah. It.
0: Yes. So when, back when they used to do animation there, yeah. but, uh, but that was when they were working on that movie, right? Yeah. That's when you saw it. Yeah. But that was so a, cool. Not a dedicated, um, not a dedicated attraction. attraction. Now the parade, if I'm not mistaken, that was at Magic Kingdom. I think it was a Magic Kingdom like the three o'clock parade every day. Yeah. And then of course, Festival of the Lion King is um at Animal Kingdom. So, and then you know, the kites, that's at Animal Kingdom too. <laughs> but uh that that just makes me laugh a little bit is that the the movie park, the park that's literally about Disney movies. Uh, is the only park in Walt Disney World that hasn't had a dedicated attraction to the the animated feature, of The Lion King. So that's funny.
1: And it's interesting too that this uh, this movie didn't really lend itself to a ride. But in a way, if you take the um, the ride at uh, Animal Kingdom through the through the de- through the savanna there, that's kind of it. I can't think of what it's called.
0: Kilimanjaro Safari. Yeah,
1: the safari. You kind of can get an idea of what what it might be like, but they didn't think of making a ride. They made these shows mostly based on the music.
0: Yeah, well, I guess it's more of a. It does does lend itself to stage shows and everything Mm -hmm. that you know, so you can enjoy the music and everything. So I remember thinking it was such a weird
1: choice to to pick Elton John. I was wondering what that movie was what what was going to sound like, and I'm glad that it. It's just been a, an amazingly memorable score.
0: I tell you that's some um, some of the best music Disney has ever put yeah. out, honestly. It's phenomenal that um you know the the and it really
2: does not for whatever reason it doesn't get the appeal. But I if I had to if you ask me now which movie would have taken over Lion King from a music perspective it would have been Tarzan oh but, yeah um, because I think that music also gets represented really well but the movie itself kind of gets a shun even from Broadway it was on Broadway what I think it's it a only couple played months. yeah I mean we got to see it and I would have given it I would have encouraged anybody to go see it it was it was it drew the tears. It drew the yeah. laughter. It just was a, in my opinion, a great production. Some of the critics said it was too green. I'm
0: like, they're in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, what exactly. Do <laughs> <know>? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what does that mean? Too green? <laughs> well, so the like-
2: whole set was green. There wasn't. No, they didn't feel like there was enough interaction of scene changes and stuff. But I'm like, it's in a jungle. What do you? I don't know what they wanted, but.
0: Critics are critics. So more variety. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how you make the jungle more uh, variety. I don't know. I didn't realize Tarzan was even on Broadway. Yeah, briefly. So yeah. that was it. it was really it was list, quick. I guess. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was, Phil, was,
1: Phil. 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 Um, Phil. What's his name?
0: Phil, Phil Collins. Phil
1: oh. Collins. Yeah, he wrote uh, several. He expanded the score from the movie and wrote several. Okay. From, yeah.
0: Yeah, if you think about it, I, I guess uh, Elton John on The Lion King kind of opened up, yeah. you know, that for for, uh, they for had Sting. Collins to come and do that.
1: Sting had apparently done the next movie, too, but it got cut, uh, The um, the uh, Emperor's New Groove.
0: Oh, wow, I didn't yeah. know that.
1: Yeah, there's, a, there's a, a documentary about what happened there that's floating around YouTube. Interesting.
0: Interesting. All right. Well, Tony, are you? Is that it? You, you That's finished it with, for uh, me. that segment. That was yes. pretty good. Uh, that was a good surprise. Uh, I do definitely do remember that attraction. Uh, it was it was good. I've always enjoyed it more than I. Not that I don't enjoy Festival of the Lion King, but um, I always enjoyed Legend of the Lion King better. It was just fun. It was puppets, and I don't know. It was. Maybe it's because I do. I've always been a fan of the Muppets. So that's why. That's
1: probably it. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if, 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 I know that was around the time that Jim Henson was involved. I wonder if they helped them put those puppets together because they were.
0: That's possible because you figure um, we're talking 94. So Hollywood Studios, or at that time, MGM Studios opened in 89. And it was probably a couple years later, 90, 91 or so, that. Uh, the Muppet vision 3d and, and all that opened and they had the, the live um, the live Muppet show for a short time there at the studios. so it wouldn't surprise me a bit if Jim Henson or the the, the company Muppet Studios or yeah. whatever had some kind of involvement with um, putting the hats. Putting that show together—that wouldn't surprise me a bit. Because I mean, if you're going to do a puppet show, who do you—you—you you, you go to the 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 master, right? Yeah. You go to to Jim Henson. So that wouldn't surprise me a bit. All right. Well, that was good stuff, Tony. Thank you. All right. So let's talk for a couple of seconds. Let's move on to our next episode, our next segment of this episode, and this is what we like to call "What's Happening Now." And uh, normally we talk about stuff that's going on actually in the parks, in Disney World or something like that. We want to do something a little bit different today because as we're recording this, it's um, late July. And just this weekend was San Diego Comic-Con out in California. And holy smokes. So, they had a panel, the Marvel panel, out at San Diego Comic-Con, and Kevin Feige and you know all the big uh, Marvel folks were there making some, some announcements about what's to come in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And holy smokes, it was a gigantic uh, reveal for what's coming in... Uh, the, the the next couple of phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we're in the middle of phase four now. So phase four has been, you know, all the shows in on Disney Plus like WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki and all that stuff. So phase four is coming to a close. So they announced the next couple of uh releases of what's going to be in phase four and then but they also announced phase five and teased a little bit of phase six so they're we're looking out for we're in 2022 right now they made announcements traveling all the way into november of 2025 so they've released everything that's going to be coming out the next three years so uh, some of this we've already known about. We knew about Ant-Man and Wasp, which is Quantumania. That's going to be the third Ant-Man film. That one's coming out uh, in February of 2023. Uh, Secret Invasion, which has been something that's kind of been being teased. Uh, if you watch any of the behind-the-scenes stuff on on uh, YouTube, I love... I watch. Um, Screen Crush a lot and I watch the New Rock Stars a lot. And both of those channels talk about um really go in depth. If you I watch every time I watch a Marvel movie or a Marvel show, I go to Screen Crush and New Radicals and I'm sorry, not New Radicals, New Rock Stars, and watch their their um kind R- of behind the scenes. Yeah, like you know, here's what you missed if you're not a big because I'm not a I never read the comics. But so I love going to see in their in-depth talks about, you know, here's where you saw this character in this episode. They come from, you know, issue number 27 of Iron Man or whatever. They can tell you exactly where this stuff came from. All the background stuff that I don't know. So Secret Invasion has been teased and talked about for a long time. Uh, that's coming out in the spring of 2023. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which uh, Kevin Feige confirmed that that is the last of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. So it's going to, you know, it's ended up going to be a trilogy. Uh, Echo, I'm sorry, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 comes out in May, May of 2023. Echo, who, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that the, she's from, um... She's the the character that was in Hawkeye. She was uh, in Hawkeye. I, I didn't that. get to
1: finish Hawkeye.
0: Oh gosh, you got to finish Hawkeye. She's, I think she's, um, yeah, involved with, um, yeah, when in, in the Hawkeye. She's the one that can't hear, and uh, it's supposed to be a. a and she was a cool character, really like martial arts and stuff. Loki season two coming out the summer of twenty twenty three which I'm looking forward to that because Loki was fantastic.
1: It was fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Really, really good. The Marvels, uh, are these, uh,
1: these going to be mostly movies or TV shows? These
0: are, um, let's see. Some of these, are. it's a little bit of both. So, um, let's see this. What I'm looking at here doesn't break. It's not broken down into which is which, but I know some of these. Oh yeah. Actually I can tell you. Um, so Echo is a show on Disney Plus. Loki Season 2, obviously, that's a Disney Plus show. Um, Ant-Man, Secret Invasion, Guardians of the Galaxy, those are all feature films. Uh, the Marvels is coming out in July of 2023. That's a feature film. They're rebooting Blade, and uh, that's going to be a feature film in November of 23.
1: Hasn't that been made a few times already?
0: Uh, Well, Wesley Snipes, they did um, Blade back in the probably early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. I believe this is a complete reboot because obviously that was not a Marvel Studios was the the current inception. So they're going to, uh, you know, reboot that Uh, Ironheart season one. So that's going to be a Disney plus show. Uh, th- this is one that I'm really, really looking forward to, and that's another Disney Plus show. It's Agatha, Coven of Chaos. Oh. So Agatha from WandaVision. I absolutely love that actress. She's, yeah, she was good. Um, I love her. She's good in everything she does, but um, Agatha, Co- Coven of C- Chaos, that should be good. Uh, they're rebooting Daredevil. So if any of you guys watched Daredevil, uh, the Netflix show, They're rebooting that, Uh, but it's going to be the same actors that play um, that plays Daredevil. And. um, Oh, gosh, his name escapes me now. Charlie Cox. Yeah. Charlie Cox is the actor that plays him. And then Vincent. um, I can never pronounce his last name. D'Onofrio is um, is going to play the villain in that. So they're bringing back the same actors, but we're just kind of rebooting the show. That's in the spring of 2024. And then something that is pretty exciting, uh, Anthony Mackie, as formerly known as Falcon, but now taken on the moniker of Captain America. So the first Anthony Mackie led um, Captain America movie, it's going to be called Captain America New World Order that comes out May 3rd of 2024. Then the Thunderbolts is also a feature film. Which I'm guessing has something to do with um, the uh, if you've read the comics or know anything about that, you know that there was a kind of an anti Avengers group of superheroes put together by um, the uh, the who was he was the Secretary of State uh, Thunderbolt, um, his last name escapes me now, but he's from all the Avengers movies. He puts together a a an answer to the avengers so i'm guessing the thunderbolts are going to maybe fight the avengers or something Uh, again i'm not a big comic book reader so i don't know all the details but that's pretty cool that comes out in july of 2024 and then so that's phase five and then they talked a little bit about phase six just a couple of things the first film in what is going to be phase six is going to be a reboot of the Fantastic 4.
1: Oh, so oh, that again. comes
0: yeah. And hopefully they they've tried that a few times yeah. and they haven't been very good. They, so, they were
1: they used to be one of my my favorites, but I've never seen I've never seen the movie match up to it, Now
0: memory of it. the I I liked I remember the Fantastic 4 cartoons yeah. um from my childhood and mm-hmm. I always liked that. But so November 8, 2024 is the
1: did they the confirm a
0: cast for it or no? No, nothing yet. They just uh, just teased the the names, and and then what's going to be uh, the next couple of movies? I guess is going to supposedly phase six is going to close out the uh, the multiverse, which is what we've seen with WandaVision and all the Doctor Strange and everything that's been going on. So. The, uh, the multiverse saga is going to close out in the end of phase six with a couple of Avengers movies in May of 2025 will be Avenger the Kang Dynasty. So we know that they've introduced Kang and in, um, he was in Loki, uh, Kang the Conqueror. And uh, so the Kang Dynasty comes out in May of 2025 and then Avengers Secret Wars we'll close out phase six in November of 2025. So Holy smokes, that's like, I don't know. I'm not good at counting, but that's like 10 or 12 or so announcements in this, uh, this Marvel phase four, five, and six revealed at the San Diego comic-con the last couple of days. So, um, what do you guys think? Are you, I, I'm a big Marvel fan. Not a, I, I know I've already said I'm not a big comic book guy. I've never really read comic books. But as far as the, the films go, I've absolutely loved everything Marvel. I don't know that there's been one that I didn't enjoy. Um, so a lot of big announcements. So what do you guys think about that? You guys big into the the Marvel stuff and what do you think about all of the Marvel we have coming to us here in the next, uh, really three years.
1: That's a, that's a lot of movies. I I, I just hope that the story isn't that interconnecting because I don't know how much of this I'm going to remember from one movie to another.
0: Well, if you think, I mean, look, so we're in phase four right now. So this is phase, you know, Iron Man came out in what, 2003, I think the first one. Um, so we're we're twenty years into the Marvel yeah, Cinematic Universe, huge. and you know, so and there's I don't even know fifteen or twenty movies already. So uh, they know what they're doing. They've they've got us roped in and have done a really good job of keeping it all connected. You know, there's still the stuff. You know, you still see Thor doing stuff in Asgard. You still see. Captain America doing stuff on his own. You know, they've done a good job of having standalone movies and then and shows and then bringing them all together for the the big Avengers movies and stuff. They've done a really good job of that interconnected universe that uh, is just I mean, like I said, spanned 20 years now. So uh, I, I have faith that they can keep doing it yeah and i think it's going to be i, mean,
1: I think this is probably the best approach to to kind of plan it all out ahead of time so they know exactly what they're going to do and they've got the the comic books to use as a template to draw from
0: oh yeah so much source material i mean yeah. you figure they've got 60 years of or maybe more than that now of of comic books to to fall back stories. on and stories and and all kinds of stuff and dozens of characters and good guys and bad guys and you know stuff that they haven't even you know i mean heck guardians of the galaxy was i it existed in the comic books and stuff but i never even heard of guardians Mm -hmm. of the galaxy until until they announced the movie you know however many years ago that was now but there's there's and i'm sure the casual marvel fan like me there's probably dozens of characters that i still don't know about that that are still out there so um, they're definitely going to be you know, as long as these movies are making money, they're going to be you know milking it for all it's worth for sure. You I'm looking know, forward Disney to played, the
1: Fantastic Four now. You've said that, so
0: yeah, I, I think that yeah, that's going to be really cool. And you know, assuming Disney and Marvel Studios can get it right, you know, they they the the previous attempts at a Fantastic Four movie have not been. Uh, have not been great, so uh, I'm sure they can get it done better this time. Though the thing,
1: there were good parts in those movies, but just as a whole, they were not very memorable.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was writing or yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. It, they just didn't uh, weren't able to pull it off. So uh, that's, I mean, holy smokes, that's three years worth of stuff that's you know coming in the future. So those were some pretty big announcements coming out of San Diego comic-con so I thought that was pretty cool so much news and so much you know um, stuff coming that I felt like it would be fun to to talk about here for a couple of minutes so that's good stuff all right so that's it for what's happening now so let's switch on over to the last segment of our Uh, episode 34 of the ww flashes podcast let's talk about what's your favorite so each week one of our hosts brings with them a question to ask the other two guys those two hosts don't know the questions ahead of recording and must answer that question on the spot so, Tony, you've got what's your favorite this week. So do you have something ready for us? You got a, a really tough question for us to, to ponder for a minute or two?
1: You know, it's funny is I had a, a, a very easy question at first, but I thought about this one as you were just telling us uh, the story about uh, what's happening now. Um, obviously, Disney likes to take their big projects and turn them into either an attraction or a stage show and being that um things like the lion king were turned into stage shows and they've used attractions for other things what do you what's your favorite do you prefer them to translate their movies into an attraction that you can ride or a stage show that you can sit back and relax and watch
0: well this one is an easy one for me uh i would take an attraction all day, every day, uh, over a stage show. Uh, I feel like uh, I can go see a stage show anywhere. You know, if I want to go to Broadway, I could travel. I live in Delaware uh, right now. Uh, So (laughs) I can travel up to New York if I want to go to Broadway or I can just go, I'm a high school teacher, so I can just go watch uh, my high school production of uh you know some show if i want to see a stage show i am uh, i'm a ride guy i want to ride something i want to experience it i want to feel it i want to move around and be shaken up and you know flipped or do whatever so um I- i'm a, i'm a ride guy i will say that um and just to tie this in with uh, the marvel stuff we just talked about they uh, have done that they just did a um They're redoing or refurbished or rethemed the attraction over at Disneyland Paris. For uh, it was Rock and Roller Coaster over at the Disney Studios at Disneyland Paris, and now it's an Iron Man uh, coaster. But from what I'm hearing, it's uh, they're not really loving it. It's not as uh, not getting the rave reviews that uh, i'm sure disney wishes they would be getting be you know when they spend money to re-theme an attraction so it's uh, it's not getting the the rave reviews so i don't know if uh if that's uh, you know we always talk about refurbish not replace and i guess they kind of did that they didn't take away rock and roller coaster in disneyland paris but they they changed it to They changed it to a Iron Man theme. But from what I hear, it was kind of a cheap overlay. They didn't really invest. So my vote for what's your favorite is it would be in a ride. It would be I would rather see a new ride, an attraction like that rather than a stage show. You know what I should
1: should have said instead of stage show, I actually should have meant I meant more of an attraction that you can. Sit at or experience rather than a, a ride. But yeah, I, I get you a ride.
0: Yeah. So when the way I'm taking your question is, would I rather see the Beauty and the Beast ride they have over at Tokyo? Or would I rather see the Beauty and the Beast stage show? that they? Okay, have that's at, a good example. Uh, this is yeah. Hollywood Studios. Yeah. And uh, I I would rather have a ride, an attraction, something that I can ride through, you know, scenes or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more of a ride kind of guy more than I am a, a sit down in a theater and, and watch a stage show. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that would be my vote. I want more rides. What about For me, um, I think, one of my favorite things that um,
2: Animal Kingdom is the Lion King show, though. And and I, Nemo, as I think about the shows that Disney produces, they do a really good job, and I think they're entertaining. Um, I tend to be a ride person as well. Um, for me, I guess, to me... So we've been talking about Lion King. To me, I think Disney really chose the right thing to do from that perspective. Um, does that mean that they couldn't have been creative and come up with a ride that we would be talking about today? Likely they could and and may do one day. I, I too, really enjoy rides. That's why you go to an amusement park. Um, especially as a kid, I, I, the shows were always, you know, for the old people, maybe I'm one of those old people now, but Disney makes shows that are not so much old people driven. In my opinion, I will say this, I think it would be cool. So I'm going to go with rides just because that's what I would prefer. Um, I'm looking forward to, I don't know if you guys have got to experience um movies in 4dx yet but it's truly like going to an amusement park um we went and watched top gun in 4dx and saw 20 minutes of jurassic park too long of a story to go into how we saw 20 minutes of it not the full movie but i was wore out by the (laughs) end of that 20 minutes that seat never stopped moving. It has air machines, it has things that pull <laughs> your ears and things that run across your feet. <laughs> and it was I uh, it was way too intense for me. Now, Top Gun was much more relaxed and in your seat was not moving the entire time. Um, but so what 40X is is you've got some of them come in three in 3d they're not always in 3d um but then you have wind machine fog machine rain machine uh it's all immersive and it's very very cool from that perspective and so it would be cool to see them though now that it's in general public and you can anyway I, the the combination of the two would be kind of a cool concept is what I was getting at.
1: Can you imagine if they had actually a live performance and the 4DX thing going on in the scene yeah, at the same yeah. time? That'd be kind of weird. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with both you guys. I, I think I prefer uh, something that you get to experience from a ride point of view. I think it, Disney's Imagineers can always come up with something that makes you feel immersed in the um project better if you're sitting in a car or some kind of vehicle and getting to see the movie or scenes from it in front of you but like you were saying ron there is that uh, old part of me that's that's saying okay i'm I'm getting older i just want to be in the air conditioning (laughs) and sit down and take a break here and and you know i'll just watch because their shows are also um, more dynamic than something i'd see as i mentioned i like the the puppet show better than the Broadway show of the Lion King, so um, I I, the, I will say I also would prefer an attraction, a ride, and that is my favorite.
0: All right, so yeah, it looks like we're unanimous in that one. We all yeah. want to do, we all want to uh, want to have rides. I guess that's uh, what you expect when you go to a theme park. All right, Tony. Thank you. You did all the heavy lifting this week. You had what's your favorite? You had yeah. You, you wrote the script for the episode, so that's good stuff. So, thanks for making uh, making making us look good. You doing all the work this week. No all right. So that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please find and follow us on all our social media accounts. We can found, be found on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast and on Twitter at Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on most podcast platforms, and we'd love it if you'd give the show a follow wherever you happen to be listening. And if you love the show, please leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience, and it helps us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media accounts, or you can email us at WDWReflectionsPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from y'all. And please keep coming back and listening to the show because we truly appreciate y'all. Thanks for reflecting on Walt Disney World Memories with us on the WDW Reflections Podcast.
1: See you real soon.